In Mark 16, please turn to Mark 16. Mark 16. Now, we're going to show you from the scriptures that every now and then, it's 100% biblical and scriptural to have a great offering day. This is not something I found online. This is not something I got out of Reader's Digest. There are scriptures in the Bible that talk about great offerings at times for the work of the Lord. And when they had such offerings, there was so much joy. They shouted. They feasted. They, had a, they rejoiced that they were so blessed and able to give willingly. The Lord had blessed them. They wanted to see the work of God go on. And they, had a, they, they took a whole day one time and had an offering the whole day. And it went toward the building of the house of the Lord, the palace of God for the tabernacle that David recovered. <clears throat> and so we want to we show you from the scriptures that it's scriptural not only to do that. And church, you have to listen closely here. We have never had an offering quite like this that I'm going to deal with right now. So in the last 30 years, don't, don't think we have these every week. <laughs> okay? We have to be led by the Spirit. The Lord knows the perfect timing. He knew who would be here. He knew who would be watching by camera. And he knew the hearts that would be here and the things that needed to be done. So let's look at Mark 16. Mark chapter 16. Look at verse 15. Some of the last words Jesus audibly spoke to his disciples and his followers just before he ascended to the Father. He had risen from the dead here, but he hadn't ascended up into the Father yet on clouds of glory. But he said in verse 15, he said unto them, go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now we know this was not just to the apostles because they couldn't go to all the world back then. This could not be fulfilled without us. Because last I looked, Grand Junction is a part of all the world. You see that? Go you into all the and do what? And preach the gospel. Now he's not saying everybody is going to preach behind a pulpit. He's saying everybody needs to be involved in seeing that this gospel is preached to all the world one way or the other. Some are sent to go and some are senders to help those that are called to go. Whether it be a local church or a missionary or an evangelist. So there's senders and there's those that are sent. Very few are called to preach behind a pulpit. Most people are called to be a part of the ministry of helps, which is listed right alongside the apostle and the prophet and miracles and healings and pastors. So don't think helping is a small thing. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. You're in good company if you're in the ministry of helps in a local church. And the ministry of helps ranges everything from A to Z. You know, from picking up vacuuming a carpet to preaching and prophesying and everything in between. The ministry of helps is a powerful, amazing, right up with the apostles and prophets ministry. And don't let anybody tell you different. David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the mansions of the wicked. He realized just opening a door in God's house was just as important as anything in God's house because it was for the Lord and for His work. It goes from... It goes from natural only to supernatural with eternal rewards when you're doing it for the Lord. Opening a door in a movie theater is one thing. Opening a door in a church is a whole nother deal. And David said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tabernacles of the wicked. 
be the CEO of Microsoft, whatever. You could put anything in there you want. Why? Because anything you do for the kingdom lasts forever. It has eternal significance attached to it and eternal rewards attached to it. I don't think that the person called to clean the carpet is going to get any less reward than the preacher if the person cleaning the carpet was faithful to the Lord in that position. Because rewards in heaven are not given out for status. They're given out for service. They're given out for faithfulness in whatever you're called to do. And sometimes you have to watch it. You know, I mean, a lot of times I've noticed this, that true prophets didn't want to be prophets. (laughs) True preachers, they just soon work behind the scenes. You got to watch out having a strong desire to do this and thinking you're called to do it. You may not be called to do that. You need to accept what you're called to do from the Lord and be happy right there because I'm telling you the rewards are out of this world and a lot of them are in this world. But in Mark here, he said, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Well, I got to thinking after a while, pastoring a church for 30 some years here, 30, going on 31 years, I realized it is impossible to even preach the gospel to all of our valley if we're broke. Where are we going to bring them if they do get saved? Because the Bible talks about bringing them in and, and getting them involved in the local church and rooted in the local church is just as important as getting them saved. Did you know that? There's actually a scripture in the book of Peter that says if a person gets free from the pollutions of this world and becomes a believer, but then falls back into the pollutions of the world later, Peter said the last state of that man is worse than the first. It'd been good for that man if he'd never known the way of righteousness than to know it and fall back. I mean, it's important once you get free that we have ability to help people live free and stay free. Getting free is not staying free. Paul said, don't be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Believers can get bound again. They can go back into things that they came out of. It can happen. It can be worse than ever. So we got to have local churches so that when people do get saved, they stay saved. And they find out their calling from God and they move on with the plan of God. And so I realized one of the reasons the devil does not want us talking about prosperity, he does not want us talking about money, but the Bible talks a lot about it, is because he just soon the church be broke and let all these ungodly, blasphemous producers put everything they want on TV and all their filth and let that get into the people, not the gospel. Jesse Duplantis, when he comes to our church, you know, he stands up here and says, how many of you watch my TV program? We go, yeah. He goes, you better watch it. It costs a million dollars a month. His, his budget is a million a month for television. We've been on TV. We're going to go on TV again. Our budget's not quite a million a month, praise God. <laughs> he goes national all over the world, but we were concerned about our valley right now. And so, you know, I don't even know if I'd be saved today, if somebody somewhere along the line didn't have some money to hand me a Bible, invite me to a church that costs money to house and to build. I mean, you think about it, money actually in the right hands, money in the right churches, more prosperity in the right ministries, equals more people going to heaven when they died because they were able to reach them before they died without Christ. It's amazing. And I was thinking about this verse here. I mean, it costs money just to reach our valley. And that's one of the reasons we believe in prosperity, because it's a tool. It's a tool. 
oh, pastor, money's not that important. Well, tell that to the person who got born again watching a television program that cost $20,000 a month to produce, and now he's not a wife beater anymore. He's totally saved. Their family's restored. Their kids are happy, and they're going on with God. Tell it to that man that money's not that important. Got him saved and delivered from demon oppression. Right? Well, money's not that important. Tell that to the people who got saved by reading a Bible that the Gideons printed and left in a hotel room and got on their knees after living a terrible, sinful life in the business world and got born again and got saved. They got testimony. We've had them here at our church. We've taken up offerings for them. Steve has preached to us and told us what great things the Gideons' Bibles are doing. People are getting delivered. Well, what if they had no money to do that? What if there's no printing press? What if they had nothing... A lot of these people wouldn't even be saved today. See, that's, that's money turning into tools, which result in people going to heaven if there wasn't any prosperity. Now, do you see why the devil wants Christians broke? Well, Pastor, I don't know. I've seen money ruin people. Yeah, you know what? It really doesn't ruin people. It brings stuff out of them that was already in them. And the Bible says prosperity ruins fools. And not everybody's a fool. Don't judge people like that because judge not lest you be judged. Not everybody's a fool. There are some people that have hearts to do the will of God. Prosperity doesn't ruin everybody. The Bible says prosperity destroys fools. And I don't believe we're fools. we got a mission. This church has got a vision. Let me tell you one of the, the parts of the vision of this church. Okay, in, in short, this church, Faith Heights Church, is here to help people know the real Jesus. Because we believe if people knew the real Jesus, they'd love him. There's a lot of interpretations of Jesus floating around out there. All kinds of messed up things. Some even coming from Christians. But the real Jesus is amazing. He did not come to give us religion. He came to give us life. And life more abundantly. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. Right? He, he didn't come to this earth to cause storms and hurt people. He came and calmed storms. Don't call no, these storms no acts of God. Jesus rebuked a storm. He wouldn't be rebuking his Father God. He rebuked a work of the enemy that was trying to destroy the disciples. Jesus didn't come to this earth to make people sick, to teach them something. He came and healed all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And so we want people to know these things. And we're, we're working on another outreach here. And I'm going to share it with you in just a second. Go to Psalm 30, 35. And let me show you this. i got a little video I want to show you in just a minute here, too, to give you a clearer vision of our project coming up. It's Great Offering Sunday. Anybody excited about that? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. In Psalm 35, 27, God says this. Listen, through, through the prophet David. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Now, somebody tell me, what, what's his righteous cause? We just read it in Mark 16. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not will be condemned. Right? These signs will follow them that believe. So his, his righteous cause is what we just read in Mark 16. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. And God said, those that favor my righteous cause, get happy. Because life for you is going to be amazing. Supernaturally amazing. Yea, let them say continually, the Lord be magnified. He's happy when I prosper. Come on, man. If, you're, if you favor his righteous cause, if you are his servant, not just his child doing your own thing, if you really have a heart to do the will of God, 
He's happy to make you wealthy. He's happy to prosper you. He's, why? Because he knows where your heart is. He knows what you're going to put first. He knows you're going to tithe. He knows you're going to give. And of course he can bless you because you're a safe investment to him. He's not going to propel people down a wrong road, turn up the prosperity. But if you're proving to him you're on the right road and he turns up the prosperity, he's helping you to go down the right road in a more powerful way. Come on, look at this. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Now, church, listen to this. God is not opposed to his people being wealthy. He's opposed to them being covetous. Can I say that again? God's not opposed to his servants being wealthy. Duh. He's opposed to them being covetous. I found that you could be covetous and broke. And you can be wealthy and loving. It's a hard issue. It's not a material issue. It's a hard issue whether you're covetous or, or not. And this scripture says, man, if you're, if you're set to do the Lord's will, get ready because God's happy to give you prosperity. It pleases Him. He has no restraints about it. He's not holding back going, oh, I don't know, man, if I give them that, they're just going to blow it again on what they want. And if I did that again, they're just going to do this and that. And I mean, how many of you parents would be just so thrilled and happy to give your child money and they've already you know, had three meth labs and, and they're you know, dealing drugs? And you'd be a little hesitant to say, oh, honey, let me bless you with some prosperity. Out of your love for them, out of your love for them, you would hold back from doing that because you would be speeding up their destruction. <laughs> right? But how many servants do we have? Servants of the Lord. Anybody love God? I mean, I'm not saying you're behind a pulpit. I'm not saying you're in the full-time ministry as far as like a pastor. But if you're a servant of the Lord, you should be saying continually, especially when the devil comes and says, you're never going to get out of debt. You're going to be in debt all your life. You'll never have that house you want. You're gonna, you, need to say the, you need to say continually, no, no, devil, shut up. The Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of me, his servant. And it's coming. It's coming. I refuse to doubt God's meeting all my needs. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Amen. First Chronicles, please. Chapter 29. First Chronicles 29. Here, David and his, you know, his mighty men, his warriors, and the people and the congregation, they are about to, to receive an offering for the house of God. And there's some interesting words here. I want you to, and again, like I said earlier, um, kind of forget about your natural surroundings for a moment. Could you do that? And just look inside, look to the Lord, because the things I'm going to share right now, you could see two ways. You could see from the natural, you could see from your heart. You need to see it from your heart. Look at verse 1. We're going to read a few scriptures here. First Chronicles 29, 1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, so setting kind of like ours, right? I'm not David the king, but... Furthermore, David the king said to all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work, everybody say work, work. is great. Now it's interesting that when it comes to working for the Lord, like you know, serving in the church or projects like we're going to talk about today, it's interesting, but work is actually fun when you love the one you're working for. If it's not fun, and it's bondage and law and all this other stuff, you might want to just remind yourself, 
who you're doing what you're doing for? Are you seeing people only or do you see the Lord behind the scenes? Hmm? This should be a love issue. Right? What did it say in Genesis 29? It said that, it said that Jacob worked seven years for Rachel. And those seven years seemed but a few days because of his love for Rachel. Love turns work into, this is, this is not law. This is, this is okay with me. I'm actually having fun doing this because of the one I'm doing it for. And that's what, now look, so he said, the work is great for the, the building they were going to build. He calls it the palace. So was David thinking about building some shabby building for the presence of God? <laughs> No, he said, he said this, this building that we're going to build, it's a palace. And it's not for man, though man was going to use it. It was for the Lord because of the work going on in there. It was not a secular work. Next verse. David said, now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. In other words, he's prepared an offering. That's why we announced this two weeks ago. We wanted people to have time to prepare like David did here. To think about it. To ask to talk to the Lord about it. If you're married, talk to your spouse about it. Seek the Lord. Dig around these things. He said, I prepared with all my might for the house of my God, gold for the things to be made of gold, silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, and iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones, stones to be set, glistering stones, and of diverse colors, and all manner of precious stones. Now look. Of marble stones in abundance. Keep going. Moreover, it's kind of like he just did a business offering or something. Now he says, moreover, above that, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good given gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Even 3,000 talents of gold. Now, we're, now this is interesting to me. If, if, and I don't, we're not going to do it all right now. But basically, David was able to give billions. A talent of gold is like 70 pounds. You know how much it is an ounce today? Over $1,200 an ounce. He had like swimming pools full of spoils that he had you know, won in battle. I mean, he had gold. He's given billions. And it's so interesting because it tells exactly how much David gave. Now, some people say, well, Pastor, when it comes to offerings, you know, we, we just need to, you know, make sure nobody knows what we're giving and, and be hush-hush about it. Yeah, according to some offerings. There's different kinds of offerings, just like there's different kinds of prayer, just like there's different kinds of suffering. And we've got to quit throwing it all in the same sack and saying, well, offerings are offerings. No, they're not. Jesus talked about giving to the poor. He talked about giving to your parents. He talked about honoring people. He talked about giving to, in the church. He talked about tithes. There's all, and this, this offering here, this is called a public great offering. And it's biblical and it's scriptural at times to have one, especially when the Lord leads you to. An offering where you know what was given. An offering where if people want, they could say, read out what I gave. Now, there, there's some reasons for this. Now, see, I know this blows some people's minds, but this is the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, this is the Bible, right? And there are times, offerings, it's okay. Giving to the poor is a totally different thing. you got to watch out about 
you know, making it known what you're doing for the poor. There's, there's many reasons involved with that. But an offering like this, at times, it's okay. If people want it to be known what they gave. Now, let me tell you why. It inspires others. It's faith. And faith is contagious. And it's exciting. We've been in meetings and offerings like this, and, and there's certain people that would say, yeah, go ahead and read the amount I pledge and, and mention my name. Others said, no, just read the amount. And, and so it's up to the individual in this area. But man, the, the, the room was charged with like faith. And it's like the vision of God became clear. And it was like, wow, the, the God's really doing something here. And it inspired somebody else. And somebody else got inspired. And they got inspired. We, we've been in offerings. I mean, we, we were a million dollars are taken up in one offering. And there was another offering a couple years after that at Sarasota. Three million dollars was taken up in one offering. And we're not talking about a 10,000 seat church. We're talking about a couple thousand people is all. But this scripture says it talks exactly about how much David gave it. And then some of your Bibles will tell you exactly how much they guesstimate he would have given today with the, you know, the, the way things are today with the price of gold and silver and all these other things. Next verse, it says, for the gold, the things of gold. Go to the next verse, uh, verse 6. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly. Everybody say willingly. willingly. See, this is something that should be for those who want to do it. And people who don't want to do it should not feel one speck bad about not wanting to be a part of it. God is not into making people feel bad. This is supposed to be a willing thing, something that's fun, something that people want to do. Amen. I don't know if Rich could get in here, but I really envisioned him in here during this service. Can, you, can somebody relieve him if he's doing something? Um, I really want, this is a, a holy time. I really feel like my staff should be here. So, um, it's, it's interesting, too. A lot of the scriptures that talk about, you know, interesting things happening. A lot of the, do you know the first murder in the Bible was over offerings? Did you know that? It was over an offering to the Lord. And I remember hearing Keith say this. He was, uh, he was talking about, he was talking about, um, actually it was the night of, the night they raised $3 million for some TV production things, I think it was, and some other, maybe it was the, the plane payoff or something. And uh, he mentioned, all of a sudden he got real serious and said, you know what? He said, he said, these things are holy. And if you don't, agree with these things or don't understand these things or have an attitude that maybe, you know, these things aren't quite right. He says, you need to get up and leave now. I've never heard Keith talk like this. He says, you need to get up and leave now because judgment comes in times like this. If you, if you play with these things or you treat them irreverently. And I wasn't there, so I was listening to the audio. I wasn't watching, so I don't know if anybody got up and walked out. But he, it's like he got all serious all of a sudden. He said, remember Ananias and Sapphira? The first two deaths in the in the New Testament church age, you know, the, where the workings of miracles were in operation, and that uh, was over an offering. There was some lying going on about the offerings, and some things were taking place. And, and it, just brought, it just brought this holy reverence into the auditorium. And that same meeting, they raised $3 million. And they got their project totally completed and had more, I think, for the next project or something like that. This was recently. And so, you know, you hear those things and go, wow, I don't know, this is... This is all I'm saying is, if you don't understand, at least see the scriptures. There are times where a great offering was received for the things of God, and they did it because they wanted to. 
If you don't want to, that's fine. That's not disrespectful. You need to give to what you believe in. And if you don't believe in it, well, don't violate your conscience. But I'm going to share a little project with you here, and I believe it's going to be powerful. So, would you like to know what the project is? (laughs) We've already mentioned this, so it's really not a secret. We are going to put up an LED sign on F Road right here so this church can have a sign and so that sign can point to some, someone and things that will help these people. And I, I know the Lord, He, he uh, corrected me a while back that He said, watch out about getting the cheapest and watch out about cutting too many corners because I don't like cheap. I didn't hear him audibly say this. I just knew in my heart, God's a God of excellence. And we've done projects in the past where we've cut corners and it was so hard to get those projects done because we went too cheap just trying to save money. And then there's projects we we just really went for the quality and it was a lot more money, but it came in easier because God can get behind quality. Just remember that too in your own personal life. Believe in God for things. He can get behind quality. It may be more money-wise, but it's easier to get if you're doing it quality for Him than if you're just trying to cut all these corners. I think it's time that, that the church, you know, I think it's time we pay more than people charge us, you know. It's like, oh, I want a, oh, we want a church discount. Oh, we want a church discount. No, we don't need a church discount. Amen. Matter of fact, we might pay you more than what you ask. Whether it be for carpet or whatever, right? I mean, that's a godly thing to do. Especially you businessmen, right? <laughs> So let's go ahead and put up on the screen the three pictures. It's, it's actually on the building payoff PowerPoint, but the last three pictures, we want to show you the sign. I want to say a few more things about this. So the sign there, the sign there is it's approximately 13 feet tall. The center section where you see all the people you know, shouting and praising there, that's the LED part. That's the eight and a half by four and a half uh, screen there that will actually be able to show photos and words and, and, and loops of video if we want. The very top part will be illuminated. That says Faith Heights Church. And the whole scripture that, that this arm of outreach is based on is God sent His word and healed them. We, we did a traffic study a while back. Approximately 30,000 cars a day drive by our building. Not only do we want them to know, yes, you should pull in here and, and come check out the family of God and the love of God and the peace of God and the healing of God. Yes, come on in. But we also, if they don't come, we also want to say something to them while they're driving by that could set them free. Yes. We're way beyond, you know, little uh, sayings you find on Google, you know. Oh, let's, let's see, let's see one-liners on Google. We're talking about the Word of the Lord on this screen, 30,000 cars a day. We can talk to them. Our congregation just increased mightily. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Our outreach potential is amazing. Our location here is divine. I don't know if you guys knew, knew this or not, but man, there's all kinds of people that wanted this land. I mean, businessmen. I talked to a realtor. Businessmen, the college, I think the malls wanted it. We got it. We got it. The owner said, we'll give it to you for the amount less than we said we pay. And, and part of it is because of our location, guys. It's a major opportunity here to reach out to people. And so, that's, like I said, that sign's about 13 feet tall. The middle section's like about 8.5 by 4.5. Go to the next uh, thing we can show you. The, the price of this sign is $55,000. That's installed. 
That's installed, okay? So, you say, well, pastor, assigned for $55,000? We could have done twenty. They had four levels of resolution on this sign. One was really, really pixelated. Second one was pretty pixelated. Third one was okay. The fourth one was crystal clear. I said, how much is the fourth one? He told me, gave us a package deal for the whole sign. And uh, there's a sign company that we're dealing with. And 55000 may look like a lot, but you know what? We're not just pointing them to carnal products and natural stuff. We're pointing them to Jesus. How many of the Lord's into signs? He talks a lot about signs and wonders. He's into signs because signs point people certain directions, get people's focus on things that God wants them focused on. I believe this. I believe because of this sign, I, I'm not saying this flippantly, I believe because of this sign, more people will be in heaven. Do you, do you know how many people, you don't know because you're not in there, but in the fellowship hall after service on Sunday mornings when the new people come in, most of the people said they came to our church not because of a fancy business card, not because of something they saw on TV. Most people have come to this church for a first time as a guest and visitor, and a lot of them got saved when they came because they were driving by and they had an impression turn in. They saw our little sign out there that's kind of deteriorating. And something said, turn in. And they turned in. Many of them have gotten healed and saved after they turned in. So we thought, well, let's make it even clearer where we're at. Actually, was it Fred? Was it you? Was you saying that? Who said they were drive-by? Was it Fred? And he almost missed us because the sign was so small. <laughs> you still made it, brother. You still made it. But he, uh, he said, I almost missed it, but they're not going to miss this. They're not going to miss this. 